but I've never connected with God as a father. I don't know, Abba. How on earth can I ever talk to people about what I'm doing with dads? And just like I'm talking to you now, I literally heard Abba, the father, say to me, do you remember when you were 23 and you were so angry? My dad had taught me that if you were angry at God, he would strike you dead because that's how he was raised. But I remember one day saying, I'm so angry with you. All this abuse memory is coming out. And he said, do you remember that day? I go, of course. And I heard Abba say, did you think I would strike you dead or that Jesus would? Oh no, I knew it was the big guy. That was you. He said, and then do you remember in counseling where you drew a picture once and I knew immediately the one he meant. I drew a big circle when I was in counseling of Psalm 18 that says he drew them out of deep waters that were too powerful for them. And there was a picture of a hand I drew coming down and there was a little picture of me with deep waters. And he said, whose hand was that? Mine or Jesus? And I was like, I knew that was yours. He said, see, I've been there in your story. You just didn't know I was there. You're listening to Altered Stories with Michelle Renee Gutch. Hello, Altered Stories show listeners. This is Michelle Saunders Gutch, your chief storyteller host. Welcome to the Altered Stories show and my special Father's Day, episode 57, Dr. Michelle's Abba's Healing from the Chains of Abuse God Story. Now that's a mouthful. Friends, I hope all is well with you this new month of June and hope that you are ready to start the summer season and all your summer activities. I recently had the opportunity to get away for a few days to Destin, Florida with my husband, my 87-year-old Vietnam veteran dad, and my stepmom. What a treat. I found this special time with my family and my dad, of course, the extra vitamin D, much needed quiet time with God, rest beach time and sunshine to be so refreshing. And I highly encourage all of you to do that when you can. Also, friends, I hope you're enjoying listening to the recent God stories I've shared on the show and that the stories you are listening to are making a transformational impact in your spiritual lives and are bringing healing in areas where you are struggling. Today, I am super excited to bring to the mic a very special guest. Her name is Dr. Michelle Watson Canfield. And I met Dr. Michelle through a mutual friend and Altered Story Show former guest, Leanne Mancini. Dr. Michelle and I connected right away, and today I'm thrilled that she can share with all of you her powerful and healing God story. Now, let's get to know her. Good morning, Michelle. Welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me. I love a, a woman with the same name, right? We Who is like God? I love that that's the meaning of our name, don't you? I do. I do. And it's interesting. My last guest was a Michelle too. (laughs) So it's interesting, but yes, I love, I love it that we are here today and thanks for being my guest. And how are you doing with all that you've got going on these days? Oh my goodness, that that's a packed question. You could have asked me, you know, a couple months ago and I would have had a different answer. Probably like every one of us listening, right? It's like our yes. lives change so much, but I'm in a really crazy season, Michelle, where uh sold a house and the one we we thought we were moving into fell through and I couldn't change it and so we moved in with friends. And literally, you know, if that isn't enough to feel displaced and homeless, you know, in a, in a transition is that I, I fell and broke my right arm. I know yeah, it, it isn't on Saturday. I mean, just a few days ago. And I'm telling you, it's one of those things where it's like, what are you doing? God, you are taking things away from me. It seems like now my, my husband of now one year said, I don't see it that way as, as God disciplining you because he loves you, you know? in second Corinthians 12, but I said, but he prunes us so that we can have more fruit. And this is definitely, feels like a pruning process. So how am I doing? Oh yeah. I cry. I feel the feels. And then I come back up 
raise my left hand, the one that isn't broken and say, <laughs> surrender again. And then I throw a fit again. And then I come back to surrender. Literally, I was on my knees this morning after, after a good cry last night. So how am I doing? Is that real enough for you? <laughs> yes. And, you know, it is a loaded question, depending on when you ask that. And I appreciate you being so real. You know, I felt the Lord impress on me to ask that today. I mean, I know we've talked about what we're going to discuss in our conversation. And, but I just think the guests that are listening or our audience, too, they need to understand that life happens and sometimes we have to push through these things and you're such a trooper for being here especially with everything that's transpired so thank you thank you from the bottom of my heart and now um listeners i want to share a little bit about michelle um she is a very accomplished and amazing woman of god she has her doctorate She's a national speaker. She's an author of two books. In addition, she's a professional counselor and she's a founder of the ABBA Project. And uh, she did share a little bit about her husband. She, she's newly married to him. And she's been interviewed on a variety of different radio and TV programs. And she's the host of her own radio program and podcast. And I mean, she's got a lot that she does. And so I want to give her the opportunity to, to share a little bit more about herself professionally and personally uh, before we actually go into her God story. So Michelle, why don't you feel free to share about the ABBA project, your books, your program, daughter-father connection. Is this going to be going out around Father's Day? So, yeah. you know, we have some time. We're, we're making good time through our conversation. So I'd love to hear more. And I know the audience would. Oh, sure. Okay. Well, I, you know what, as, as you were just talking, Michelle, I was just envisioning that that you and I are sitting side by side and we're inviting all our friends to just gather in. I just picture like a big room with, with us all sitting on the floor, leaning on pillows with blankets and comfortable, and that we're just having this casual conversation with Jesus in the center. And oh, I love it. That's my vision of Altered Stories Ministry. At some <laughs> point, I want to bring, I want to do those things. Well, that I, seriously, I this is so cool. So, so really we're saying we're just women who love God, who sometimes, you know, cry our way through, but we have faith that a God who's bigger than our pain, bigger than, bigger than broken bones. In fact, one of my favorite stories that I'll just share um, verses, I should say, but a story in the Bible of Jesus feeding the 5,000 and in John six twelve, I love how he says to the disciples, gather up all the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. And so wherever you guys are at that are listening, you women and Michelle and I, we're all sitting here together seeking healing for, for the places that we have injuries, right? And just saying, God be exalted because we want to exalt the, the healer, not the story. You know, it's about how Jesus shows up in it. So I just want to say that first and foremost, because I'm not sitting here trying to impress anyone with what I've done. The truth is, it's a miracle that God is allowing me to partner with the Trinity to do anything that gives him glory. And I'm beyond grateful. So oh, beautiful. With that said, okay, I will answer your question now really about, <laughs> kind of, about oh, what I'm doing with, with dads of daughters, which is, I mean, let's be honest. How crazy is it that I, as a woman, have been leading men for the past 12 years? I mean, it's it's nuts. I speak at men's conferences and I found it. I don't always feel welcome. It's like, wait, no girls allowed. What is a woman doing here? I'm like, I know you guys, I would have disqualified myself from this assignment too. So, so I'm with you in times where you as dads may disqualify yourself to say, I'm not equipped, but we know, right. That God, he doesn't equip the called, right. He calls those that he equips with a spiritual calling that's beyond what we have credentials for. Okay. So even though you've given some of the letters after my name or whatever, truth be told, I'm just like every one of you saying, God, use the gifts, use the things where you've shown up in my brokenness. And then we'll be good. <laughs> then we'll be yes. good because then, then it's all about me getting the glory and not him. And then, then I'm back to square one where it doesn't have right power. Right. So 
So let me get back then to dads and daughters. So it was in December of 2009. So I was 49 at the time. I'm 61 now. So when you say I just got married, yes, guys, I got married at the age of 60 for the first time on Father's Day weekend in 2020. So I'm just coming one year anniversary to a man who's a widower and founded the National Center for Fathering, wrote the foreword to my first book in 2014. And you asked me to share about my book. So that book is just titled, Dad, Here's What I Really Need From You, A Guide for Connecting With Your Daughter's Heart. And then this man, Ken Canfield, wrote the foreword. I'd been in their home, knew his wife. She was on my prayer team for the ABBA project, which I'll tell you about in a minute. And so here's this man that I've respected. I met him at a conference. We've been colleagues for 10 years and five, no, it's now six years ago. I said to God that I would never get married, that I sensed that he was turning my heart away from marriage and really towards wanting to equip and empower men across the country to dial into their daughter's hearts. And I said, okay, God, I'm going to do that till my dying breath. I'm all in because right. Malachi four, six says, if the hearts of fathers don't turn to their children and children to their fathers, I'll come and strike the land with a curse. So really it's all about how does a dad turn a heart, not just his head, but his heart. And I find that a lot of, a lot of men have said to me, I'm not sure what that means with my daughter. And I said, well, I'm going to help you. You don't even have to stop and ask for directions. I'm right here. And so what I've been doing then is since December of 2009, when I read in Luke 1 that God told Zechariah that his yet-to-be-born son, John, would help turn the hearts, again, not the heads, but the hearts of fathers to their children. I just heard God whisper to my spirit, Michelle, and say, Michelle, that's what I want you to do. And I'm like, what? Here I'd been a counselor for many years. Now I'm heading into my 26th year. And so I never was counseling men primarily. It would be young women, daughters, you know, and so just in the middle of that, I said, okay, God, I'm all in. And two days later, I was blow drying my hair and I just heard the name, the Abba Project. Abba meaning wow. daddy in Aramaic and men love a project, hence the name. So I wrote emails to 11 dads whose daughters at the time were my clients in their teen years and their twenties, which I've, I've really come to discover is that when that's when it gets a lot more complicated for men, right? It's like, it was easy when she was five and would run home and I could kiss her boo-boos and she'd be all better with, you know, within minutes. Now she's 13 and she doesn't want to spend time with me and I, everything I say is wrong. So I've come to discover men, if any men are listening, is that you often would rather do nothing than do it wrong. And I've had men, I, I've had every man I've said, man, I've said that to say, yep, that's true. But I want you to know men that doing nothing is doing it wrong. And I know you want to do it right. And that's where I've come along, man. And so back in 2010, January, I wrote 11 dads emails and 10 of the 11 said, yeah, we'll join you for this ABBA project. And I've had people say, men, don't add more to an already full plate. And yet they came and I had no curriculum, Michelle. I just said, okay, every month, God, what's the next, you know, and I began calling God ABBA as a father. And I never was one of those people that, called him by a different name until this whole thing started. And I'll be sharing a little bit about that later, about how Abba has become a real healer in my, in my story. And so that's how it started. And I'm saying for any of you listening that have a nudge in your spirit that you go, what? Why is this idea downloading into my spirit? Step out of the boat like Peter onto the water, do it. Don't disqualify yourself because it's not about your might or power anyway. It's by God's spirit. And Remember that movie, Michelle? Is it Field of Dreams? I think it is, where if you build it, they will come. Yes, I do. I've seen it like three or four times. Okay, right. So here we are saying, okay, if the Lord builds the house, right? He will will bring people to what he's called us to do, even if it's a crazy assignment. And so here I am now, you know, because of COVID, we didn't meet this past year. But year after year, we ended up going a year, that group. I've now honed it to nine months. And my goal with Ken is we want to create curriculum and video because I do get a lot of requests from around the country. In fact, I just got one this weekend, Michelle, where a dad said, I heard you at a conference uh, three or four years ago in Bellevue, Washington, and you talked about messages on mirrors. And he still named the talk, remembered the talk and said, you gave us dry erase markers or sticky note pads. And I'm going to put this right here for any dads listening or moms can do this too. But he said, you, you told us to go home that day and write messages on our daughter's mirrors. And I never know what to say. 
But I did what you said. I told her I loved her. I told her she was beautiful. And he said, we both cried. And he said, I just got your latest book, which this one just, this is its first Father's Day. It's called Let's Talk, Conversation Starters for Dads and Daughters, where dads then have the script right in front of them on 60 topics. They don't have to reinvent the wheel. And then I say to dads, if your daughter doesn't like the question, just blame me. You know, I'm your fall guy and you can't do it wrong. And I know you want to do it right, but you've got to initiate times one-on-one with your daughter where you open up conversations, doesn't matter her age. I'm telling you, even if she's married and in her 60s, like me, we still want to spend time with our dad where he gets to know us because we figure things out by talking. So the more dad that you ask us questions on different topics, let your daughter pick the topic. You ask the questions. You did. Your daughter didn't come with a playbook, but I'm going to help you write one. So you come with a book in hand and a pen. And that's really what I've done in the Alba Project now for 12 years. And then my radio program, which is now a podcast only, The Dad Whisperer. A dad once called me that, Michelle. He said, you know what? I don't know how you do it. You whisper to us dads. You should be called the Dad Whisperer. Truth be told, in my, in myself, like I could shout easy. I'm, I could be a shouter. It doesn't even matter. I could yell out, keep up with the boys. And yet it's about whispering because I'm not trying to overpower you as men. And I think of how many women I've counseled over the years, mentored over the years. I've really been doing that since I was 19. So over four decades is how many times they have dad wounds or dad voids or deficits wanting more from their fathers. And so that's where God has sent me, Michelle, is I've flown from Venus to Mars. I'm bilingual now. I speak Venusian and Martian. And I, I fly to Mars and say, man, here's what your daughter needs to hear from you. And here's the script. And if you say it like this, I believe you're going to open up a different conversation. Because what I've also discovered as women is when we stop talking, when we close our mouth, our heart closes. But when we open our mouth, our heart begins to open. So dad, When our hearts are open, your hearts are open. And so it's really a full circle thing that comes back to talking. Hence the name of the book, Let's Talk. So really, even if you're a mom listening, you could could get that book as a resource for your husband or ex-husband or your brother or some man, you know. And if you're a mom, maybe that's a single mom. I've had moms getting this as well saying, you know, I wish I had a man in the story. I wish, wish we had a man in the home, a dad, but we don't. This can also be a gift for moms to use with their daughters or sons. So I'm not just trying to market what I have, because really I'm stepping to the background and saying, here's a resource to enhance and strengthen your relationships. And and I'm standing in the background so that you can succeed, because I really believe we need healing across our land with women, because the healthier we are as as a nation, right? And it ties back to households, doesn't it? It means our households are stronger. That's how our nation becomes stronger. And we as women have so much influence. When we're not happy, ain't nobody happy. So the more we are really finding healing, not just with our earthly fathers, if that's possible, but even with God as a father, it's going to strengthen our nation. So really, that's the goal that I have with my ministry is to have dads know how to step up and step in to be the dad God wants them to be. So there, is that a good overview? That's <laughs> a phenomenal overview, a God-glorifying overview. And it is so amazing how the Lord just brings as sisters in Christ and women, you know, to come alongside you as you do his work and, you know, Altered Stories Ministry. That's what it's all about is when I did the value proposition for why I was bringing um, Altered Stories Ministry forward, what the healing aspect of women's lives and what that does in their families, in their communities. I mean, there's so much that you shared that parallels with where um, God has had me on this path of these Mm. stories, you know, that I brought forward. I love it. Not only do the stories heal, those that are sharing them, as well as those that are hearing. And I know you have a heart for that, especially being in a counseling ministry mm-hmm. as your ministry. So I love everything that you shared. And I appreciate that because um, I think the listeners, you know, really will be blessed by why God has equipped you, what you're doing in your circle and how he's using you in 
healing across the world. So Mm. that's really amazing. And, you know, one of the things I always like to ask my guests is around the power of story. Mm -hmm. And that is why you think sharing your story is so important. So Michelle, do you mind just kind of giving your, just your perspective on that, why you think it's so important to share your story? Mm -hmm. Oh, that is a packed question. I bet you've heard all kinds of answers that that I I have. I have. And I I love to ask that because of that very reason. But I think it's important as we move forward into sharing your story soon. Well, I love how even Psalm 107, what I have written in that chapter in my Bible is my life story. And I I found it so interesting, Michelle, that you even, as we came up with the title for this interview, and you used the word chains. And I actually have written next to the verse that says, some sat in darkness and deepest gloom, prisoners suffering in iron chains. And probably about 30 years ago, I wrote in Psalm 107, my life story next to that verse. And you didn't even know that. But what I want to direct everyone's attention to is that the first verse of that Psalm says, let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. And if we aren't telling our story of how we've been redeemed, God doesn't get the glory. So why do I think it's important? It's to exalt Jesus as healer. Because what I have found too, is that Jesus was so interested in stories. You know, he was telling his disciples stories all the time. And he wants us to share the story of how he's shown up in the story. And I'm telling you, if we have stories that are only about happy roses and, you know, rainbows, I mean, who wants that story? And yet I'm right now in a season that I hate. Okay, can I be that honest? I hate where I'm at right now. This is not the story I thought God was writing a year ago when I was getting married for the first time, right? It was like, oh, I have a partner and we're going to do all these things. And I'm like, God, why are you shutting me down? This is not a fun story. But don't we all connect more when we're in, we have painful stories? Boom. That's where the redemption, let the redeemed, right? We're mm-hmm. redeemed because we had something to be saved out of. That's where the stories have such power to give hope to those that are in a dark season that need someone to say, you know what? I was in the middle of a forest once and I didn't know how to get out. And someone took my hand and walked me out the other side to the light. And if any of you are there, I'm just saying, you got two Michelles today that are coming on either side of you to take your hand and say, we don't know the way out, but we want to tell you the story as we walk, just like Jesus did on the road to Emmaus with the disciples. And we want to walk with you as we hold your hand and we walk out towards you know, the light where Jesus is saying, come here, I'm in the valley of the shadow of death with you. You don't have to fear evil because I'm here to comfort you. So I hope that answers your question, Michelle, because really it's that the stories exalt the healer in a way that that data doesn't, research doesn't, information doesn't, but our stories that are so unique to us, I think are as unique as our DNA and our fingerprint. And they highlight a God who is so intimately acquainted with all our ways. And that's what I want to do today. Yeah. And I am so grateful I asked that because that is so profound. And that is why I believe in the power of story and how important it is for others to share. Mm -hmm. And so I think this is a great segue, Michelle, into the question that, you know, I ask all of my guests. And that question for you is, so Michelle, where does your Abba's healing from the chains of abuse God story begin? Hmm. Well, you and I, as we prepped for this and had a conversation, I shared with you more of, you know, I would say the backstory to the story, which does go back to when I was a little girl. And I was one of those, you know, highly sensitive, highly intuitive little kids that picked up on a lot of the feels. And I had fears that were so magnanimous, like 
I got afraid to stay overnight at someone's house. I didn't like going to camp. I didn't like being away from home. I just had fears all the time that manifested. In fact, I have a poem that, you know, that I wrote back in fifth and sixth grade. I have a few things I've kept from childhood. Wouldn't you know, it had to do with fear. I go, I know I had fear. I didn't know the word anxiety back in the day. It was always just fear. And I think the sad thing is I got the message, you know, back in the 60s, 70s, 80s, that it was, you know, fear is sin. And it was like, I don't want to sin. I don't know what to do with these feelings, but I would pray. I would sing. You know, I've been a worship leader. I love music. I play the piano. And that has really been my heart. But what do you do when you've got all these big feelings? But the fears never really made a lot of sense. You know, here I have an intact home and my dad later became a pastor and I went to Bible college. It's like, why do I have such extreme fears? And then in my late 20s, more questions begin to surface for me after Bible college. And I was doing youth ministry, volunteering in churches and a dental assistant. And I always say that supported my habit, which my habit, quote unquote, was doing ministry, music ministry and youth ministry in churches. But really, I begin to date a guy 28 to 30 years old in my life that was an abuser, verbally, mentally, emotionally. And it was so odd, Michelle, because it didn't line up, right? People would say, here, you're accomplished and you're confident and you're serving the Lord and you're out there doing ministry. Why would you be drawn to a guy that, you know, I was in a Christian band with him and I was the only woman with five of us. Look, see how I look back and see how God was training me to, to interact with men. But at the time, there was one time we broke up, Michelle, And I said, I can't love him anymore. We were together for over two years. And I wrote down everything he didn't like about me. And there were 66 things that I wrote down. You know, I weighed too much and I laughed too much and too loud. And I said, cute and awesome too much. And everything was too much for him. And if you can believe this, a couple months later, I got back together with him. So it does raise the question of, huh, (laughs) this doesn't line up. It doesn't, you don't add up, Michelle, I think was the question people would have had in their minds. And then as I dated him, I distanced more from my parents because they didn't like him. I mean, we know the drill. That's how a lot of women do it. And I would say to any of you that are in a relationship where people who love you have a check in their spirit, run, run for the hills. We don't need more divorce. We don't need more broken hearts. Listen to those who love you. They're not trying to make your life miserable because I am so grateful now for the prayers my parents prayed and my mom wore out her knees praying I would wake up, break up. I said, wake up. That was, that was a little slip that actually makes sense. I did wake up and then break up. That could be a bumper sticker, couldn't it? <laughs> yes, I'd say that's a great quote. That's a wake up, quote. break up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that for someone listening is, is run the other way is we do not need fixer-uppers, women. We need men of God who love us and have a bandwidth to follow through on what God has told them to do, which is to love us fiercely. And we get to then thrive in our giftedness, right? When we're loved that way. And I'm so thankful I waited for the man God had for me. So anyways, back to the story. So out of that relationship, I was such a broken mess at the end of it from so many couple years of verbal, mentally, emotionally being abused that I called a counselor out of desperation. And that's where the counseling journey began. And I was in counseling for eight years, which really wiped out my 30s, which was not fun. But it was one of those things, Michelle, where I had a counselor who would say, okay, as I would share the stories and more of my memories I'd had some surface, but more begin to come forward. And she would always ask me, where is Jesus in your story? See, so interesting, that same question, where is Jesus? And I used to say to her, I don't see him. That's not how, I don't ever see pictures in my mind. But as I stuck with it, I began to more and more. And I remember saying, yeah, Jesus doesn't show up to places like this because the abuse that I've suffered Namely, it was at the hands of my mom's dad, my grandfather, but he also brought others in. And some of it was even in what I would call organized rings, like an organized, calculated plan to harm, not just me, but others. And so that, as you can imagine, as that was held inside my body, those fears begin to make sense my draw to an abuser began to make sense more and more as I began to face the stories as they came up to be healed. And 
over the course of those eight years, I, I didn't have a, I lived in an apartment. I didn't have a house. You know, I had an apartment I rented and I say the house that God built was this one, right? My, the temple of the Holy spirit is my body, right? This is the, I'm the temple that he rebuilt, not a physical house. And I wouldn't trade it now for the world. Um, this is the part that, that chokes me up sometimes because I got to know a Jesus that was different from Bible college Jesus where I knew things in my head. But as I faced those stories, I'll never forget the day, Michelle, where my counselor asked the same question again, where's Jesus? And I'm like, he's not here. But one day, I don't know why that day was different than any other. But as I was laying there, it was like the, the shackles fell off my eyes, the scales I guess the shackles were on my feet, but the scales were on my eyes. And I, I quote unquote, saw Jesus standing there with tears coming down his cheeks for me. And he was stroking my hair. And I know that for years, I go, why did you allow this? How can you be God who has power to stop abuse? Why did you not? How did you not? And I've come to know now why is the worst question we can ever ask. It's a looping question. It, we, I don't know why. I don't know. But if I say, what were you what were you doing? Where were you? How did you show up? How can you heal me now? Those kinds of questions lead to way different responses in the end and different answers. And that day when I saw Jesus, Michelle, at my, at my head, it was like some kind of trauma bond, the strongest bond we, two people can ever have, began to form. And the information I had in my head dropped into my spirit and my body and my soul where my mind, my will, emotions are. And that day, if I had to say, where was there a pivot in my life? That was it. And Jesus began to show up and I could hear his voice for the first time and say, oh, okay. I, that just dropped in my mind. It wasn't what I was just thinking. And it came fast and it lines up with the word of God. Those are the three ways I always know it's Jesus' voice. And I began to hear him and see him in my story. And he began to break the lies that I believed about my body, myself, men, him, and fast forwarding then to the ABBA project, because you asked about ABBA. So, yes, that's so, it's so important. Yes, there's a key is that then I, I was going to a four square church. So I learned about the Holy Spirit for the first time, different than Bible college. I was like, I didn't even right. think about the Holy Spirit's power. It was just Jesus or God. You know, you, you just reference God as a trying being. And then about one year into the ABBA project. So this was about 2011. I... I do remember that I was invited for the first time to come speak to a group at an at-risk youth ranch and their staff on what I was doing with dads of daughters. And I'm preparing and I always have to have something go through me. Like, I'm not just going to get up and tell you information. It has to be real for me first. And I begin to prepare. And all of a sudden, I almost, I'd never had a panic attack. I've had lots of fear, but not where I was, couldn't breathe and hyperventilating. But I almost did, Michelle, when I went, oh my goodness, I've connected with Jesus for years, you know, because my counselor would always ask, where is Jesus in this story? And then the Holy Spirit, I had come to know through this Foursquare church, but I've never connected with God as a father. I don't know, Abba. How on earth can I ever talk to people about what I'm doing with dads? And just like I'm talking to you now, I literally heard Abba, the father, say to me, do you remember when you were 23 and you were so angry? And my dad had taught me that if you were angry at God, he would strike you dead because that's how he was raised. And so that was very militant. It was, you don't get angry at God. But I remember one day saying, I'm so angry with you. All this abuse memory is coming out. And he said, do you remember that day? I go, of course. And I heard Abba say, did you think I would strike you dead or that Jesus would? And I'm like, oh no, I knew it was the big guy. It was you. He said, and then do you remember in counseling where you drew a picture once and I knew immediately the one he meant. I drew a big circle when I was in counseling of Psalm 18 that says he, he rescued them. You know, he, he drew them out of deep waters that were too powerful for them, too strong for them. And he delivered them. And he said, and there was a picture of a hand I drew coming down. And there was a little picture of me with deep waters, brown waters underneath. And he said, whose hand was that? Mine or Jesus? And I was like, I knew that was yours. He said, see, I've been there in your story. You just didn't know I was there because of your grandfather abuse. You weren't ready to know it was me. So Jesus stepped in. He's the one whose face 
you could see, you could handle him there, but I've been there in your story. You just never knew it was me. Literally, I'm undone saying, I didn't know that. Thank you for that revelation. And what has happened since then, Michelle? So this is about a decade now. It's like I now have a three-pronged stool that I sit on. Like, I'm all about Trinitarian theology now. Like, we can't leave one of them out. But what I love about the Trinity is that the one we're the most comfortable with is where the Trinity starts. Is They're not fighting with each other for the front seat. You know, the Holy Spirit is like, I'm going to exalt Jesus. And Jesus says, I came all through John 14 through 17. So you can know my father. He's like, I want you to know my dad. I mean, I love Romans 8, 16 and 17, where it's saying that the Holy Spirit shouts, Abba, Father. Like, and a friend of mine who's a theologian said, what that is, is that the Holy Spirit is shouting, you've got a dad. Take your pain to your dad. So I'm telling you who are listening, if you have father wounds where he has dramatically hurt you and abandoned you. So there's two kinds of abuse that my mentor calls A and B trauma. So B is the bad things, the things that you might name that your dad or granddad has have done to you or another man. But the A is the absence of good things. And sometimes when that's the kind of abuse we have, where it was abandonment or neglect, that kind of trauma is harder to put a finger on. But friends, I'm telling you, we have a God, a triune God. You have a dad that says, Psalm 91, I want to put you under my wings. Deuteronomy 130 and 31, he's like, I will carry you. We have a father who is not saying, you're on your own, kids, because we know our earthly fathers often build a bridge to God as a father. And I'm telling those of you that are listening, if you have father wounds, I can attest to the fact that when Abba stepped in and said, I'm your dad, there has been healing in a depth of me that prepared me for marriage, that I would say launched my ministry different than it ever has, and that has caused an even deeper layer of healing in me that other people would even tell you has been significant, even where I settled into singleness. I had so many people go, I mean, one time, Michelle, I had someone say, you're single, you've never been married. This is probably about 20 years ago. I said, yeah. They said, wow, you seem so normal. Thank you very much. (laughs) How can you not be married? You seem normal. I did not just say that to my face. But truth be told, when I have more than reparented and fathered and healed by God as a father, Jesus, the son, Holy Spirit, they've wrapped their embrace around me as a healthy family. It's like the Holy Spirit is a nurture comforter like a mother. Jesus is an elder brother coming around alongside me. Abba, Father is a dad putting his, his wings over me. They are the ultimate healthy family and they bring healing like no one ever has. And now having said that, Michelle, I shared with you yesterday a poem I, would, I wrote. About yes, that's years beautiful. Ago. Would you be okay if I just shared a little bit of it? Oh, absolutely, Michelle. I had to read through it like three times and it was so healing. And for me, even at this point in my life, and it just brought tears down my cheeks. Mm -hmm. And so I really would love it where you can share. So this poem is called Looking Back. I wrote it. I see here. I wrote it March 26, 2014, when I was asked to speak at a conference, a trauma conference. And I just got this idea that I called it looking back. And I said, here's what the me now would tell the me 20 years ago, before I'd started counseling, before I was on my healing journey, and I was just replicating the trauma of being drawn to an abuser. So here's a few of the the stanzas. It's looking back at where I've been. It seems like that was another person. I remember the days that were dark and dank and only seemed to worsen. It's crazy to think I've lived one life because it honestly feels like two. I guess you could say I used to be gray while now I'm a varied hue. The best way I know to say it still lacks the why and the how, but it's as if the me I knew then isn't the same me I know now. It's strange to have lived a certain life with a big divide down the middle. There's the version I tell most people and the version I tell very little. I've lived with deep, dark secrets, 
with a story that doesn't seem mine. I've assumed most people would reject me if the details didn't align. Yet somewhere along my journey, I began to risk then tell. The story seemed to beg for ears to be unlocked from their prison cell. Now I'm going to go down a little bit further. If I could tell the me back then what the me here now truly knows, I would tell her never to believe a thing said by those who dealt the blows. I'd say I do a 180 every single time. And if you follow that rule of thumb, the light will begin to shine. For you see, there is an agenda by those who harmed and maimed. They despise the God who made you. They want you to never speak his name. My process to get from there to here has been harder than words can tell. But I do it all over again and again to know Jesus this deep and this well. I understand truth in a richer way than had I not been divided and hurt. And I love Jesus more because he too was scarred by those who corrupt and pervert. He knows what it's like to feel hatred eyes that are daggers with intent to kill. He defined pure love as he went to the cross, surrendered and laid down his will. Then Jesus cried out to his father in his moment of excruciating pain. He modeled their depth of engagement. He knew there would be greater gain. When I went through similar torment, I was afraid to get close to God. And by God, I mean the father. I thought he was a scary facade. But Jesus knew I needed connection. So he stepped in and showed me his face. I only learned much later. They were both there with me giving grace. At first, I didn't trust the father. I thought Jesus was all I did need. But in time, I came to understand that his dad could stop the bleed. I wish now that I had run faster to my father, the one whose hands have my name tattooed on them. They give safety and a place to land. Jesus escorted me to his father, who tells me I'm part of his fam. He says I never have to be alone. He accepts me just as I am. We all judge a book by its cover. We assume based on what we can see. And perhaps I look to together to have such a dark history. The truth is that I've been rescued. I've been healed and been set free. And the ultimate thing I want for you is to be in this place with me. I say, lean in, reach up, drop fear. I promise you'll be glad you did. Your Abba Father will hold you close when Satan makes a counter bid. We have to be aware of the devil's schemes in order to stand our ground. There's nothing more than he really wants than to plant lies that confuse and confound. And if he has an agenda to make us fear the real source of love, doesn't that make you want to run toward the one he's attempting to shove? The adversary wouldn't work this hard if he didn't know something big. He wants us to doubt that we're worthy of love, but we are. So let's shut down his gig. It's time to stake our claim as sons and daughters of our father God. His love is wide and long and high and as deep as it is broad. There's nothing any of us can ever do to dispel our father's love, whether we were abused or caused the harm, regardless, it's taken care of. He forgives and cleanses, delivers, restores. He wants to take back the reins. Let today be the day you choose him back. This will forever break the chains. Whoa, that is just so, so precious. Mm, thank you for listening. So, 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 so precious. And so, I mean, it just really is your story. And Michelle, I haven't shared this publicly much through the years. But there's a depth in you, girl, that touches a depth in me. And you said, Michelle, you got to say it. You got to say the story. And so I'm sharing that with your listeners today as in a way that I would say has been rare for me because I don't think a lot of people always want to hear. That's a pretty packed poem with doctrine, with truth. And I'm like, the doctrine of who God is, is where we have standing before the Trinity and it's where we can stand. So thank you for letting me read that. Oh, you're very, very welcome. And I mean, I'm completely honored. Mm -hmm. I'm so honored that you would want to take the opportunity and read it to my listeners. And, you know, if I have a depth, it's the depth of Jesus. 
and what he's did and come in and redeemed me. Yes. Yes. And, you know, that's why he's brought me to where I'm at today and, and having you come on the show and share. Yeah. And I love it. I love every, every bit of this because it depicts the healing power of Jesus Christ and the facets. There's all three facets that encompass it. Our healing through the power of this God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And God loves us so much in this whole reconciliation. And, you know, the world we're in, broken, people are broken. But through Jesus and through restoration, we can all be brought back into the Mm -hmm. place of where God really intended us to be. You know, until, of course, when he comes back and you know, brings us into a different state and a world, heaven, earth, our glorified bodies at some point, but mm-hmm. it's a continuation, right? It's a continuation yes. as you've shared. I mean, the reality is, you know, you're still going through transformation. God is still mm-hmm. pruning you. He's still working on you. He's still working on me. He still works on us. You know, it doesn't matter how many degrees, what you you know, where you're at, how, mm-hmm. how much of, you know, you are in terms of, you know, financial, you know, mm-hmm. means all those things, right? We're still yeah. his people made in his image. We still are learning and growing. So this is just amazing. But what's so precious to me is that God has brought you through this healing journey and you're sharing it and you're using it to uh, better others and to bring them to a place of being able to move forward in their lives. And, you know, at 60 years old to have your first marriage, mm-hmm. that's incredible. You know, God knew that he was protecting you mm-hmm. and you had you know, those areas of healing that, you know, you were needing to go through and his work yeah. to accomplish. Right. And so yeah. God, you know, it's just, it's so cool. Um, your story, Michelle is just really an incredible story. And I know so many were, will be blessed by what you've shared and, and the chains that have been broken and the freedom that you're yes. walking in. Yeah, it is. It is chains that have come off. Take the shackles off my feet. So my feet so yes. I just want for you. Would I want to think. Yeah. Even before we're done, Michelle, I know we just have a couple minutes. Could I just pray for those that are? Oh, absolutely. I've, I, I haven't had another guest do that. I think that's amazing. I would love you to do that. Okay. So we'll, we'll have you pray and yeah. then uh, I'll wrap up. How's that? Sounds good. Okay. So Abba, Father, and Jesus, and Holy Spirit, I, I just now, I'm putting my arms straight out to the side. So is Michelle. And we are enveloping and wrapping our friends in a, in a holy embrace. And we are asking that that would represent the embrace that you have for everyone listening. God, I ask that right now, those that are holding pain, that it maybe even has become comfortable for them to be in that place as as a victim, if I may be so bold, that they've gotten used to that position. God, I ask that they would lay that at your feet right now, Jesus, that you would take that from them. You are the lifter of their head. Those that are downcast with shame because of what's happened to them. God, I thank you that what has happened to them does not define them. Their identity is in you and whose they are, not what's been done to them. Lord, I ask right now, because you're the great exchanger, You say, here, give me your pain. I will give you joy. Isaiah 61. I will give you joy in in place of pain and mourning. God, I thank you that that's the God you are, is a redeemer, a restorer of broken dwellings, a healer, a mighty counselor. Lord, right now, I ask that those that are still caught in making choices born out of their abuse or their woundedness, that God, today would be a day of deliverance, of them choosing with their will to walk into your embrace and your calling and wooing them out of darkness into a spacious place free from restriction. God, I ask for healing today by those that say, Jesus, I choose to walk towards you in a new way. 
I pray that triune God, that you would be a father to the fatherless, that you would be Jesus, redeemer, savior, healer to those that need to know Jesus more closely as someone who isn't scary or a herder, that Holy Spirit, you would come and bring all your juicy fruit and pour it all into the places of woundedness, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control as gifts. God, we just know that, look at, I'm even out of breath. I'm just so animated, <laughs> Lord, right now as I'm just saying, God, pour all of your goodness over all of my friends because you have brought someone 1968 to life that you are good and what you do is good. Would today be a day that you work all things together for good in those that are listening in new ways like never before. We say this all collectively in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And my listeners have an incredible gift in listening to this episode. So thank you. Thank you, Dr. Michelle, from the bottom of my heart. And friends, I just want to let you know that we're going to have uh, her episode page up. We're going to have a lot of the information that she shared out there. So and they can uh, go to my website, drmichellewatson.com. Just Dr. Michelle. We'll make sure we'll make sure that's up out there on her episode page too. Um, So just so you know, and and also, friends, um, thank you again for listening to the show. Please do share this, get it out there um, with your friends and family. And until the next show, be heard and be healed. Altered Stories Ministry is a faith-based, nonprofit, and women's evangelistic storytelling ministry located in Overland Park, Kansas. If you enjoyed listening to today's story, your family and friends would probably benefit from hearing how God works in the lives of women all over the world too. So please subscribe to our show and share the link to this podcast. Share it on your social media. We also welcome your valued feedback on our stories. Also, we'd appreciate your prayerful consideration in sponsoring one of our future God-glorifying stories and welcome your tax-exempt financial donation. To find out more on how you can support our ministry, you can log on to our website at www.alteredstories.org. 